Well, as you know, we've been going through a series on prayer during Lent. And this Sunday, we're coming to a close of that series. Each week, we have been addressing different issues, different different questions that surround prayer. And this Sunday, we're addressing the question that prayer, isn't, isn't prayer a private matter? If my... If my faith is private, isn't, isn't prayer to a, a private matter and, and, not, and not public? You know, and this, is, this question is certainly one that most people would answer and the culture would affirm that prayer is a private matter. But our texts on which the sermon is based today indicates that we are not merely individuals seeking private blessings, but we are God's people. Eugene Peterson informs us of the danger of privatized prayer. He writes, the single most widespread American misunderstanding of prayer is that it is private. Strictly and biblically speaking, there is no private prayer. Private, in its root meaning, refers to theft. It is stealing. When we privatize prayer, we embezzle the common currency that belongs to all. When we engage in prayer without any desire for or awareness of the comprehensive, inclusive inclusive life of the kingdom that is at hand in both space and time, we impoverish the social reality that God is bringing to completion. And what is that social reality that God is completing? Well, it's, it's that we are chosen to be a particular kind of community, to do a specific work with an inescapable goal. The social reality that, that God is bringing to completion is the church, the citizens of heaven. Those who love the rule of Christ and his kingdom. We are God's people. Amen. And being God's people, we are responding to his speech. You don't see this in the text, but this is is the essence of prayer that's taking place. In the text and in the context, it's the word of God. God is speaking, and it's the same in the Old Testament reading as well. God is speaking to his people. His people are called to respond. That is the essence of prayer. You do realize that in this matter of prayer, in this conversation of prayer, you didn't start the conversation. God did. He initiated the conversation. He speaks to us, we respond. That's the essence of prayer. God speaks to us as his people, and therefore, we should pray as a community. And there are four reasons the text gives us for being a praying community. So we're a praying community because God has made us his people. We're a praying community because of the work he has given us. We're a praying community because of the hostile environment we are in. We're a praying community because God will be glorified. So let's think, let's think about this. We're a praying community because God has made us his people. In verse 9 and 10 of, of 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are a praying community because God has made us his people. And here's the issue. As we're already, you're, you're in the human community. You're in, you, you're, we're already in community, but God calls us out of the community to be his community. See, Peter's using the same language that Moses used in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, and also in, in, in other places, in Exodus 19 and, and Deuteronomy 14. The same, the same, the same language, the same, the same description. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. See, God calls you out of the community. To be his community. See, that, that, and that these things are said of Israel and the church, it shows us that God intends for us to be a community. A special, counter-the-culture community. Jew and Gentile are made into a chosen race. And that's, a, that, that's something to think about. Jew and Gentile made it to a chosen race. Because that's the word there. The, the Greek word is genus. And it means, it means that you have one common source. One origin. One seminal progenitor. We have, we have this. We are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. Citizens of a holy nation. And together we are the Lord's own Possession, his peculiar treasure, the way the King James puts it. See, both Israel and the church are one. And we've been given the same grace of being chosen by God. Both have received deliverance through the mercy of God in Christ. And isn't this remarkable that Peter now is thinking this way, that he is writing this now here toward the end of his life? Because you recall in, in Galatians chapter 2, Peter was a segregationist. You know, he ate with the Gentiles when the Gentiles were, when he was there by himself. But as soon as some Jews from Jerusalem came, oh, he separated from the Gentiles and he had to go and eat with the Jews. You know, he was a segregationist. Now here, Peter has changed his whole thinking. His whole mind has been changed because Paul, in Galatians 2, called him out. That you're not walking according to the gospel. But did you notice, too, that it's the mercy of God that has made us his people? Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. How? Once you had received, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's the mercy of God, brothers and sisters. It's the mercy of God that has made us, this diverse people, into the one people of God. And what motivated, what motivated God to make us his people? 
Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 and 8 tells us this. It's, it was not because you were more in number than other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. See, so, so, so your size and how many of you were, that wasn't an asset. It wasn't, it wasn't an attractive feature to the Lord. But it's because the Lord loves you. And is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So there's three words that summarize the six. There are three words that, that you and I should take into our hearts. God's faithful love. God's faithful love. That's what motivated him to make us his people. What if you woke up that on Monday morning and that's the, that's the first thing you thought of as you think about your day? God's faithful love. You go to bed at night and you think about what took place that day. God's faithful love. But what does a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and holy nation mean? Well, it means a number of things, but only have time for a few. The death clock is going back there. See, when that clock hits, strikes, you know, the preacher dies. But what does what does this mean? Since God has has made us his people, multi-ethnic, yet one race, one priesthood, we have a new identity. We are we we are a new people, a new nation whereby all the old divisions are transcended. And since God has made us his people. We ought to pursue being the people of God. And since God has made us his people, Jew and Gentile, which is the archetype of of every other ethnic, tribal, racial division that might exist, Jew and Gentile, you ought not to live segregated lives. But we ought to pursue living integrated You see, you and I, we didn't get to choose who would be in the family of God, did we? God, I like that one. Don't let, you know, but this one over here, don't let them in. No, you didn't get to choose. You know, we didn't, we didn't get to choose who would be in the body of Christ. We didn't get to say with whom we wanted to be reconciled. God has made us one. And see, we cannot, and we can't carry on this unity without praying as a community. Because you'll never see. You'll never see your cultural blind spots. Apart from the community of God's people. You'll, you'll not face down your prejudices. Without being in the praying community. See there's no hope of confronting. Sinful systems of, of racism. Apart from being in the multi-ethnic praying community. And the fact that that God has, the text says, made us a royal priesthood lets us know that uh, being a praying community is in our DNA. See, being a, being a, a praying community is essential because of the work God has given us. This is point number two, verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
See, Peter tells us that we pray because God has made us his people. And now as his people, we are a praying community because of the work God has given us to do. You say, what work is that? Well, the text in a word or in a sentence, we handle the praises of God. You think about that. We handle the praises of God. You say, how? You know, it's difficult to handle your own praise, isn't it? You don't have to shout me down with any amens. No. Now, now, now as, as his people, you know, you think about it. How do you, how do, if you, you, it's difficult to handle your own praises. How do you handle God's praises? Because when you hear other people praised, what's your natural response? They ain't all that. See, we, we don't know how to handle our own praise. We don't know how to handle other people's praise. Vance Havner says man is the only creature who you can pat on the back and his head swells. So how do you handle, so how do we handle the Lord's praise? Well, the text tells us here that, that we are to proclaim it. And the Greek word that's used there for proclaim is a word that's only, it's only used here in, in the, in the scripture. And it means to publish, to tell abroad, to celebrate. The virtues of the Lord. You know, when an athlete or or a famous person is trying to get the public to know who they are and what they're doing, they hire a publicist. And this person's job is, is generating and managing publicity for the celebrity. Well, that's what we do. That's what we do with our identity as a chosen race, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation. We generate and make known the publicity of God. God, now, so he didn't hire us. You know, so, yeah, I get paid to do this, but he didn't hire me. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, God purchased us. With and through the blood of his son, he purchased us to celebrate his fame. And why is God famous? Because of the deliverance that he brought to us in Christ. He, the scripture says, calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, the reason God, the reason God redeems us is for his praise. Isaiah verse, chapter 60 verse 21 says this, and the Lord is speaking here. Your people shall be, shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. God redeems us for his praise. So as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, it is together that we make known the excellencies of the Lord's saving ways. It isn't just your private salvation blessing, but it is as the people of God, his special counterculture community that we publish abroad his praises. We are a praying community because of the work that the Lord has given us, that work of handling his praise. And this is a privilege. It's a privilege and it's an honor to have this calling upon our lives, but we have it in a hostile environment. And so we are a praying community because of the hostile environment we are in. 
Verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. Peter is reminding them that they're not at home. Don't get comfortable. You're not home. Home, home is where you're comfortable. Home is where you kick off your shoes. Home is where you let your hair down. You know, that's, that's at home. You're not home. He's writing to men and women who are, who are being persecuted. Remember earlier in chapter 1, Peter would say this in, in verse 6, the latter half. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He's reminding them that they're not home yet. That see, this world is no friend to the people of God. If you've been joining in the prayer groups over the last few weeks, you've been praying for Christians who are, who are suffering persecution in Nigeria and in Myanmar and, or in Ethiopia or, or Pakistan. You've been praying for them. This, this persecution happens because the people of God live in a hostile environment. And you need to know that. As believers, we need to know that. We need to know that there there is war being waged against our souls. And the scripture says this about us, because we're in this community, we're in this community, this broken community, as, 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 as Joshua prayed earlier, we're in this broken community. But, and it's, and it's hostile. This community wants you back. That broken community wants you back. It doesn't like it that you left. Who do you think you are getting out? You know, it wants you back. It's like the Terminator. You've seen those movies, right? That thing is relentless. You can blow it up. It's still coming. You got a tanker, it's on fire, and in the midst of the fire, out walks the Terminator. It's coming after you. The community wants you back. But God has called us out this war. And he said, Peter says, abstain from the passions, but not alone. Not doing no. Remember, he's talking to the community. He's saying to the community, you pray, you abstain together. Abstain from the passions that war against your souls. You're not alone. This is not a private fight. Hallelujah. See, and the fight wearies you, doesn't it? The fight, the fight wants it. You need help. You shouldn't, you can't, you shouldn't fight it alone. And there have, there have been some, there have been some who have heaped hostility on the church, but they're beginning to understand that the church is needed too. Even though they were hostile to it before. Lee Stein is the author of a satirical novel called Self Help and, uh, she wrote an, an, uh, an op-ed piece in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, and she was posing this question that perhaps the church is, is what we need during this time, in which she calls it this time of instavangelists. These are people who, in her words, are the latest iteration of televangelists, but now they're on Instagram, and they're a different kind of clergy. They're personal growth influencers. Now, Lee Stein, is, she's a millennial and she's no Christian. But she said that politics had been her religion, but she burned out on that after about three years. Oh, yeah, and that, yeah I can understand that completely. Uh, 
Yeah, but in the pandemic, she said, but the pandemic has cracked open in something inside of her that, that she has this profound yearning for reverence, for humility and, and awe. And she writes this. I have an overdraft on my outrage account. I want moral authority from someone who isn't shilling a memoir or calling out her enemies on social media for clout. There is a chasm between the vast scope of our needs and what influencers can provide. We're looking for guidance in the wrong places. Instead of helping us to engage with our most important questions, our screens might be distracting us from them. Maybe we actually need to go to something like church. Contrary to what you might have seen on Instagram, our purpose is not to optimize our one wild and precious life. It's time to search for meaning beyond the electric church that keeps us addicted to our phones and alienated from our closest kin. You hear what she's saying? She's tired of the hostility. She's had enough of the passions that of the flesh that wage war against her soul. She's tired of this self-centered, I don't know what life means type of living. She needs the praying community of the people of God who know that God has made them his people. They know the work that God has given them to do in handling his praises. They understand the hostile environment they're in, yet they continue to pray as a community because God will be glorified. Good verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's the fourth reason we should pray as a community. The day of visitation is that day of judgment. It's an inevitable day. It's a day that's coming. It's certain. It's a day in which you will stand before God and everything and everyone will glorify God. Everyone is going to glorify God now or later. Psalm 86, 9 says this. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. That's the destiny of the nations. And the psalm is is, it's fulfilled in the church where the nations are being built into a house whereby God's glory dwells. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this, yet you are holy, enthroned, meaning to dwell, dwelling in The praises of Israel, the praises of God's people. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In in 1 Peter chapter 2, this text, our New Testament reading today, in the context, as you come to him, as you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see what the picture that these texts are, is is painting for us? It's a beautiful picture because the scripture gives us this, 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 this picture of the glory of God descending on the people of God. So it goes like this. God speaks 
The people of God are responding to the word of God and the glory of God comes down and dwells with them. That's the picture. That's what happened with the Old Testament temple, wasn't it? They did everything according to what Moses had directed, according to the pattern that had been shown him. And when they had finished it and it was done, the glory of God came down. This is God's salvation. It's the salvation we have in Christ. That we are God's people. And God's people, we don't wait. We don't wait until the day of judgment to glorify God. No, now is the time to glorify God. Now is the time. Don't wait. Now is the time. The gospel of Christ shapes us. For this very reason, the gospel of Christ shapes us into a community of praying people. Now someone might ask, how do you know that, that, how do you know that you're being shaped? How do you know that, that this is the way God is glorified? How do you know that? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. You, see, you can say, I, I, I get it, because we are God's people. God has made us his people. We, we pray because of the work that God has given. We pray because of the hostile environment we're in. We pray because God will be glorified. But, but how do we know that this is the way? Well, we can be sure. We can be sure that this is the way. We can, we can be sure because, well, it's here in the word of God. But also, we can be sure because of Christ. Because of what he done. He suffered the darkness so that we could be brought into God's marvelous light. God's judgment fell on Jesus so that on that day of judgment, you and I might be set free. See, Jesus took on our shame so that we might share in his glory. Or in another way, Jesus... Jesus used his moral authority, giving up his life to save ours. He wasn't calling, he wasn't calling people out on social media. You say it wasn't invented. Well, that's true. But he could have. He could have called out everyone. But that's not what he did. Instead, he called for our forgiveness through his blood. And here's the question. If Jesus did this for us, why wouldn't we pray as a community? You're God's people. To pray as a community. That's how, that's how you overcome. That's how we will overcome. See, in a praying community, it's where you get to know yourself better. In a praying community is where you get to learn to share burdens with others. In a praying community, it's where the integration that we long for, the integration that we long for, it happens in our hearts in a praying community. Now, years ago, we started that Friday uh, community prayer time, and, and, and uh, Ruth Jardine would come. She'd bring John and Zimmer and uh, Peter and Mary and Seda and you know, Be- Becky Walton. And a number, there were a number of folks who would come. And, but I will not, I, you know... So some of you remember Ruth Jardine. Yeah, she had a way of sending you notes. 
if, if she wanted you to know something that what she thought, she'd send you notes, give you a little cartoon clipping out of the newspaper or something. You know, and, and, that's, and she was trying, she was trying to talk to you. And that's what she was doing. You know, but I remember, I, I, I'll, I'll not forget the way she prayed for the pastors and their families. She prayed with such fervency, with such passion for, 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 you know, it it broke my heart as I listened to her pray. I knew that God was not a stranger to her. Now, you don't see that integration doesn't happen in your heart apart from praying as a community. So you see, being God's people. It means that we don't have we don't have private prayer lives that suit our needs. But rather, as a praying community, we're not looking for self-serving products, but we're looking for participation that benefits the community of God's people for the glory of God. And one day, the glory of God will come down. And it will never depart. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we need as a community to be transformed by this beautiful message of the gospel. Oh, God, we pray that you would do this in us. Men and women from every walk of life, from every ethnicity, will find a home, find the welcome, the love, and the affirmation that comes from you, the God who loved us and gave his son for us, and through whom we share in his glory. We pray this for the glory of his name. And in his name, amen.